live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is the show that talks about all things that are important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host. Greg Rempe, happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in on the show this evening through emails or you don't know how to follow me socially, here's that contact info. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now, it's a name you only have to say once, and instantly there is association to the brand and the product. That, of course, sweet baby Ray. Dave Raymond joins the show for officially the second time, but the first time where we'll be doing an interview with him. So if you are just new to barbecue or you're just new to the live fire scene and you don't know Anything about anything, which includes sauce, which I can't believe that would be the case. You're going to be introduced to somebody who is the foremost brand leader in all of barbecue sauce across all segments. A sauce that many of you actually like and have in their homes. As we showed a couple weeks ago, I have a two-pack that I get from Sam's Club or not Sam's Club, BJ's Wholesale Club at the ready all the time just in case because not everybody's going to like my homemade sauce but everybody appears to like sweet baby ray sauce so i always have that ready to go so we'll get the background we'll talk about the business end of things of course and then we'll talk about what it was like for him getting inducted into the barbecue hall of fame this year 2023 the festivities actually take place at the american royal but talking about getting the induction and what it means to him what he might be planning for a speech, all this stuff. So Dave Raven to lead it off here this evening. 35 past uh, the first hour. We will have second Tuesday of the month regular guest, Robert Moss. We'll do a little barbecue Hall of Fame tie-up. We'll also talk about clickbait as it relates to media these days, especially barbecue. And live fire in general. We'll talk about what's a waste of money, what's not. We'll talk about potted meat because everybody loves good <laughs> potted meat. So stay tuned for that. That'll wrap the first hour. We'll move to the second hour. 
And we will have another first-time guest and Chicagoland-based. So Dave Raymond, Chicagoland-based. And this guest, the creator of Grillin' with Dad, Maciek Zorowski. Maciek Zorowski. Pardon me. Looking forward to having Maciek on. I actually met him in person when we were down at the Hartville Hardware Grill Fest last year. And it was Machek, and it was Mike Lang, who will be there again this year. Machek will be at Rofest again this year. And, of course, Diva Q, Danielle Bennett. All three promised to be back there in September. So if you're going to be around the general Hartville, Ohio area, on the 23rd, I believe it is, if I'm going from memory, I think it's the third week or that third weekend, that third Saturday of September, Make plans to get down there. And then closing, so we'll talk to Machek about how he got into the whole grilling with dad thing. He's got a pretty unique past, so we'll talk to him about that. And then closing out the show, the creator of the World Food Championships and the person that is involved in making a partnership for a new barbecue tour, Mike McLeod, CEO, creator of World Food Championships. So that's how your show lays out this evening. Don't forget, you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, at BBQ Central Show. And we say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of the video streaming platforms, Facebook and Twitch, which can be found at slash BBQ Central Show on either of those. Also, you can watch it on YouTube.com slash uh, at BBQ Central Show. So confusing with YouTube in many different ways. But we do have a YouTube poll question of the week. I'm asking this. Your favorite barbecue sauce is thick and sweet or thin and vinegary, or mustard-based, or mayo-based, and currently 54% of you are voting thick and sweet. 31% is taking thin and vinegary, 15% taking mustard-based, and 0% of you are taking mayo-based barbecue sauce right now. But we'll see how that goes through this evening and the guests as well. So let's start here this evening. If you follow me socially, you saw me post the other day about the passing of Chuck Blount from the San Antonio Express News. I just wanted to mention it here at the top, and I have a small eulogy that I'll be giving at the top of the second hour where I have a little more time to play with versus trying to mash a whole bunch of stuff here into the open. So if you're tuning in for that, be sure to come back around this time in the 10 o'clock hour or just hang out through this first hour. I'm sure you'll be happy that you did there, but I will have some words about Chuck and we'll also have a playback of one of my favorite sections of when Chuck was on the show last year. Also, I'm not sure if any of you keep track of this or not anymore, but last week closing out the show was Christy Vanover from Girls Can Grill. We were talking about the connected Joe ceramic cooker for the bulk of the conversation, but at the end she mentioned she was going to cook at a Utah contest. Well, what happens? What do we know through the history of this show? When you come on this show Tuesday night and you're competing that coming weekend, what happens? You win. So what happened after Christy appeared on the show last Tuesday? She went to Utah, and that Saturday she showed up and won. Yes, of course. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Show karma is real. Show Karma always works, and Christy has added another notch to the Show Karma belt as far as legitimacy. Christy, you're welcome for yet another grand championship. 
Appreciate the conversation last Tuesday, as I'm sure you appreciate the show karma getting shoved in your back pocket. So when you showed up and showed out in Utah, you walked away with that grand championship. Again, for the competitors that show up on a Tuesday, if you're competing, make plans, even if you're not, make plans to compete somewhere that coming weekend because you will win because now the show karma has been transferred to you from the appearance on Tuesday. Fan uh, fan feedback or fan feedback from past shows. Peter in Oregon writing in. Greg, I'm a new fan and found you through Sam the Cooking Guy. He had mentioned you on one of his past shows that I was watching. Imagine my excitement when I saw he was on the show, the very first show I was checking out of yours. I love the segment you did Tuesday night, and I have to ask, the rapport you two seem to have is great. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast with Sam, as in, have you or as in have you or show together? I don't know what that means, Peter. I should have fact-checked you and grammar-proofed you. Just a thought, looking forward to checking out the backlog of shows. Regards, Peter. Peter, thank you for writing in. I think I know what you're getting at, and the short answer is no. There's not going to be a Sam and Greg podcast together, separately, conjoined. The way he's showing up now is it. That's it. I knew this was going to happen. Somebody liked the segment last week. You liked that we went back and forth at the top, whatever it is, the rapport that we have. There's not going to be a Greg and Sam podcast of any kind, but thank you for thinking of that. Derek in Virginia writing in, Greg, big Mo Kason fan here, and I love when he comes on the show. It was great for uh, me to hear him talk about how much the finish at Memphis and May really meant to him. I hope that contest continues to be held at Tom Lee Park, but it sounds like its days might be numbered there and maybe in jeopardy of just being done altogether. Let's hope not. Finally, James in Manhattan listening in. Greg, I'm so excited to have George Motes' restaurant opening this summer very close to me. I'm hoping to be the first in line, and I will report back with my review of both the three featured burgers and all of the milk sections. (laughs) Thanks for a great show. I listen on podcasts most of the time. Regard, James. James, I'm going to hold you to that, so I want reports on all the three burgers. The two standing burgers, the one rotating specialty burger, and more than that, did George say he was having 12 different selections of milk? That's, I mean, not only is that odd as in a number 13, that's a lot of milks to have at a restaurant. Most restaurants don't have anything more than white milk, chocolate milk, maybe you get a strawberry milk depending on where you're at, I don't know. But, James, that's a substantial milk selection. You might have to visit two times to get all the milks in. I don't want your palate to get fatigued. All right, so Dave Raymond will be showing up here shortly. Before we get to him, I will speak to you about Pits and Spits. We're asking you this question. Are you tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences? It's time to step up your game and bring the ultimate flavor and cooker to the backyard barbecues. Pits and Spits Charcoal Grills offers the highest quality live fire cooking experience you can get in the market today. Using either wood or charcoal, their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have that time to fire up the grill and cook for family and friends alike. With a large adjustable fuel tray, 
You can raise and lower the fire to control and fine-tune the heat. This would be a pits and spits version of the very popular Santa Maria-style grill, except you have that big hangy wheel and wires, and you can close that hood down to retain a lot more heat. But if you like the option of moving the heat source further down or further closer or close further away from or closer to the protein their charcoal grill is outstanding you gotta look at this thing it's a life treasure it's gonna get handed down from generation to generation go to the website and this will take it to you directly pitsandspits.com slash bbq central that's pits and spits all spelled out and the double t on the pits and the spits use promo code charcoal Central, all together, one word, Charcoal Central, for 150 bucks off any charcoal grill. Now, don't pass out when you see the price and appreciate the fact that this is quality material, worksmanship, and it will last all of your life and all of your kids' lives and all of their kids' lives. An investment into the future, if you will. And again, Charcoal Central, a checkout to save 150 bucks. Who doesn't like that? Pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. We'll be back with none other than Sweet Baby Ray Dave Raymond. Right after this, stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. You visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also... Visit Amazon.com or Lowe's.com. Walmart.com was the one I couldn't remember last week, but all three of those online landscapes will provide you not only with a great sale price, but shipping typically included. So actually much cheaper than if you would go to CookandPellets.com to purchase because they don't have the great freight rates that Amazon, Walmart, and Lowe's do. So if you're looking to get in on some of those great wood pellet blends, Go to cookandpellets.com, find the blend that you think would work best for you, and then go to one of their retail partners because they are a vendor of Amazon, believe it or not. They're not somebody that just sells through Amazon. Amazon buys from them directly. That's why they can give you some of that great shipping. But again, shipping typically on amazon.com, lowes.com, and walmart.com for best shipping rates, cookandpellets.com. My first guest tonight makes a part of the 2023 class for the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Barbecue sauce is as much a part of barbecue as the meat is in most places. And when you mention this sauce anywhere across the country, perhaps the globe for that matter, the name is instantly recognized. Various reports estimate the brand to be worth 550 to $600 million today. But where did it all come from? And while you might think it's the first time he's been on the show, you'd be wrong. It's technically the second time, but the first time was a surprise for me. So we race to the hotline and welcome back for the second time slash first time, Dave Raymond. 
And, of course, that is not Dave Raymond right there at all. Of course, anybody that is a fan of Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue and catering company restaurant would know that is Deuce Raymond, the pitmaster and executive chef. And now I am utterly concerned on where Dave Raymond is. So now I have to go back into my phone real quick because I got a call from Deuce a little bit earlier and say, hey, we're on. And we'll see what happens here. So we'll give him a few minutes and if it doesn't work out. And we'll pull up Robert Moss, who appears to be early in the bullpen too. So we're not uh, getting you red alert ready, Robert, but if you want to take the ball and get out and do some calisthenics, get some long toss in there, might be coming to you a little bit sooner than we anticipated, but we'll give Dave Raymond a couple minutes here to get on board with the show. I'm not sure I, he was there. We did a sound check today, got a microphone, did everything. It was working all great. I feel like perhaps we've encountered a little bit of back and forth because I was also sound checking. Wait, wait, here we go. Are we on? Hey, Greg. There he is. Dave Raymond right there. Right. So, Dave, before we get into some of the other, you know, uh, talk we got here tonight, we have a YouTube poll question of the week. This is an interesting question for you since you are a barbecue sauce guy through and through. But I'm asking the YouTube and general public watching this evening, your favorite barbecue sauce is A, thick and sweet, B, thin and vinegary, Three, mustard-based, or four, mayo-based? What's your answer? Sweet Baby Ray's original would be my answer. Of <clears throat> so thick and sweet? <laughs> Tomato-based sweet is what it would be called in the industry. All right. So that's where Dave Raymond is sitting on that. 44% of you are in agreement. Thick and sweet is the leader in the clubhouse, followed by thin and vinegary, and the other two are far behind the dust at this point. Dave, appreciate you taking the time here this evening. Be honest. Back in the day, indeed, how sweet was Baby Ray on the basketball courts in the mean streets of Chicago? Being honest, it was about two weeks sweet. Two weeks, that's it? <laughs> Literally, that's how long the nickname was for, for, for playing basketball. And uh, I was on a pretty good team, and we were in a pretty good league. And a really good team that wound up being second place in the Lutheran League nationally, and we were, you know, we were all psyched up for this big game, and we're going through our warm-up drills, and we're doing doing the layups, and like I'm jumping as high as I can, and one of the guys on our team says, "That's sweet, baby Ray," so so that nickname stuck for a short while, and then five or six years later, when it came time to get into this. Uh, bar bar barbecue rib contest. I knew it was a good name for a barbecue team, Sweet Baby Rays. So, so, so the sauce was actually created for the name, <laughs> and we wound up winning second place in Mike Wicko's rib contest. And the rest we say is history. How do you find out about the the rib fest? Was it a a big deal around the Chicagoland area? <clears throat> Here's the story. Back back in 1982, I was a buyer for a pharmacy that filled prescriptions for nursing homes. Salesman came in. He said he made good ribs. I said, no, I made good ribs. He came back three days later 
with a column from Mike Worko, a syndicated columnist who since passed away, who said he made good ribs and didn't understand why black people got all the credit for it. <laughs> he was besieged with letters and phone calls. That's what begat the Mike Waco rib, Mike Waco rib contest. Salesman comes back and says, hey, let's get into this rib contest. Having never done anything like that before, I said, sure. Salesman leaves. I immediately get on the phone to my brother, who's a chef by training, tell him I want to get into a barbecue, into a barbecue rib contest. I need a barbecue sauce. He talked to the seven best people he knew in the business to get their ideas, what would constitute a good barbecue sauce. And then along with his own ideas, he specifically formulated the sauce for the name Sweet Baby Ray. So, Did that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, yeah, fully. And you took shots at you know the uh, the running agenda that I had to kind of lead us down the primrose path, but I'll uh, patchwork it back in here. As you're growing up, Dave, let's roll it back a little bit. Do you recall barbecue, maybe not Southern-style barbecue, but uh, barbecue as you would know it, or grilling being a, an ever-present around you growing up, or not really? Maybe you went to a restaurant or something, and that was it. I grew up in a dysfunctional family on the west side of Chicago. There were no no houses to have a grill. There was no porch to put a, a pit on. My very first barbecue was was gaucho frozen barbecue beef. <laughs> you know, it used to come in a little tub. Dave Raymond. So, so then so then barbecue, which I'll say grilling, actually came to me after I got married, my one-year anniversary, we moved into a house, we got a Weber grill, and like everybody else in the world, started with hot dogs and hamburgers, moved up to sausages, steaks, and chops, then chicken, then ribs, and ribs ribs was my, my sweet spot. <laughs> ribs are, if you came over to my house and I was trying to impress you, unlike other people who, who try out, let me try this new recipe on you. I'm going with the best I got, so I can so I can impress you the best I can, and that that, that that's how ribs came to be prominent around our family. Dave, when we take a look back at this rib contest in 1982, you don't even place in the event, and then uh, three years later, you come in second place. By the way, uh, the first time around, or, or in '82, there's like 400 teams. But when you fast forward three years later, it's almost double the amount of teams. There were 700 teams. You guys come in second place. What changed in three years? <laughs> so so the first year, my brother, the chef, wasn't there. The, the, the judges came 45 minutes late. And as I tell my story... My ribs were toasted, and so was I. Oh, <laughs> so, so so there was a significant change, and and then it was so much fun. It was such an exciting first time we ever did it. It was such a blast that that my brother, who was living in Wisconsin at the time, we made big plans to have our summer get together. So 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 we increased from like one case of beer to to multiple, multiple cases of beer and all of his friends came out and all of my friends came out. And, and I'd say that's really where I got the flavor for, for barbecue. And my, my idea of barbecue is, is, is the noun and verb aspect of it. And to, to me, it's all about the people. I'm all about the guy and his story or girl. And then I can get into your barbecue and your barbecue place. But but to me, it's, the, it's, it's how you got there, why you got there. So you get the second place, 
Uh, you've mentioned a number of times here during the recount that you've partnered with your brother Larry, trained chef, to devise what has become the Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce and recipe. Who's the first one between you to think that not only is the second place great, but maybe there's something to capitalize this and it might be on the sauce? So at that time, I was a manager in the pharmacy that filled prescriptions for nursing homes. So, so I had like 20 of the lower paid people that I was responsible for. And at Christmas time, I was giving out uh, peanut brittle that somebody's aunt or uncle was, was, was making. And then after the, after the rib contest, I started giving out these old Grosch beer bottles with Sweet Baby Ray's inside it with a label on it and a bow on top and Merry Christmas. And at that point, when the bottle was empty, the folks were bringing the bottles back and asking if we, they could have more. So that was the very first notion that, that, that we had a, a, a product that people liked the taste of. And then as we got into the business world, our goal quick, quickly, we somewhat quickly, we, we understood if we could get people to try our product, we could earn our share of repeat business, which is absolute key to the retail game is repeat business. As you're getting through the business aspect of this, and I don't know how many people are, are familiar, they know the name, they know you, I don't know how much they, they know about Larry. So how was he as a brother and, and how instrumental was he in the whole success of what ended up being Sweet Baby Ray's? <clears throat> In my mind, my, my, my brother, who was a chef and the guy that 100% created the sauce, I had nothing to do with that. I'm merely guilty of exploiting his ability. <laughs> but but, but, but in, in my mind, with, with Sweet Baby Ray having over 50 share nationally and ongoing and all the success they have, he, he is fundamentally responsible for changing the perception of what people in this country constitute as a good barbecue sauce. <laughs> it a thousand percent used to be the thin-based vinegar, open pit, east coast, east coast, southern east coast barbecue uh, profile, and now it is without question, without question, tomato-based sweet. Early 2000s, I think you uh, you end up selling the business to Ken Foods. You go on the internet, and you know widely it's available. That you was it. It was it was thirty million dollars in sale. You're also able to sell the company for thirty million dollars. How do you have other business partners as you grow the brand over those you know a number of years before you sell it? My first business partner was my brother. We incorporated together. He never really, you know, he, he contributed the sauce and food service uh, acumen for the Wisconsin market. He never was afforded, because he was a family guy and he had to work to take care of his family, he never afforded to take the risk that I took of quitting my job and getting in a whole hog. And then the guy I, I went to high school with, Mike O'Brien, he... I had been in the business probably two years and he wanted to get, he had his own business looking to get back into the workforce. He took an equity position in our company and that's when we turned from having a family business to a real business. And I can explain that simply enough before Michael Bryan 
when I took out deliveries and delivered sauce, delivered sauce, if I got paid in cash, it went in my left pocket. And if I got paid by a check, it went in my right pocket. And my left pocket, it was never to be seen again. Mm. So, so, so we literally became a business with with my partner and and great friend Mike O'Brien, and had accounting degree, and 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 he took things very seriously. And uh, that that was the success of our company. I would say not only did we have a great product, but but he had his way of looking at things, and I had my way of looking at things. And at the end of the day. We, we we wanted what was best for the company, and not what he wanted or not what I wanted, but what was best for the company. That, that, that's always what, what drove us, and I would say ultimately our success was because we were able to stay together and not get on top of our own egos and mm-hmm. thinking it was all about me, but it was all about the company and how, how we could do the best for the company. Why did you decide to sell when you did? If things were going so great, I'm sure there was still room to, to bump up. It was just that was the right number for you guys, and, and that was enough? You had other interests? Partly. I mean, for for sure, my wife and I, we don't have children. I thought I thought that we had enough money to last us the rest of our, our, our life, and and didn't want to look at it as, as, as greedy people. And then also I didn't have any understanding that we would ever be able to catch up with our competition, Kraft and Casey Masterpiece, and even Hunts at that time. They had all the experience, all the money, all the salespeople, the top brokers had been added for so many years. How were we ever going to catch up, up to that? And as a, young person growing up in a dysfunctional family, we never had anything. So the idea of having enough to take care of of my family, one of my brothers, partially another one of my brothers, Mike and one of his brothers, that was monumentally appealing to me. And I'd say that's that's as close as I get. But, but but I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to to say that without saying that that had we kept the business we certainly could have gotten more money, but had we kept the business there is no how no way it would have achieved the level of success that it has today, and personally speaking that is so much more important to me to to see the brand excel the way that it has coming from the inner city of Chicago products of the Chicago public school system, I'll add. And, and, and we, we, you know, we, we got up, we got out of the ghetto, we made something of ourselves. And, and, and my brother's passed away now, but when, when, when he was alive, we would talk about the business and it would bring us close to tears in no time thinking. And, and, and he said it best in my mind that, 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 that sweet baby Ray's while he's alive and while his children are alive, It'll be the number one brand. What more could a guy ask for? So, you know, that's, that, that stays with me all the time and uh, just unbelievably blessed, unbelievably fortunate, un- unbelievably lucky. And uh, I'm, I'm watching a 30 by 30 series on Bill Walton, the luckiest guy in the world, he says. And I don't think I could say that, but I know I'm blessed and I know I'm fortunate. Last month, we had an exclusive on the show with uh, folks at the American Royals. They announced the 2023 Barbecue Hall of Fame class, and Dave Raymond is a part of that. So you've accomplished quite a bit in your career, Dave, no doubt about it. So where does getting into the Hall of Fame slot with you amongst the other stuff? 
extremely humbling. Really took me by surprise. I, uh, I, I had, I would say, I've never pondered it. Uh, it's, it, it's a. I, I went to the the, the, the 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 website. I looked at the people on there, and uh, I either know, hung out, or been to the restaurant of thirty five of those people. So I, I'm intimate with some of them. I recognize that there are a good number of people that I would certainly see at my level or above that aren't in the, the, the Hall of Fame. And it's, uh, <clears throat> I mean, barbecue became a very, very, very big part of my life after we sold the business. <clears throat> I went to all four, four barbecue markets and went with my nephew, my brother, my business, my competition, we had a competition barbecue team for 10 years and I got to hang out and meet with, meet with these people. And, uh, I mean, I had the great pleasure of walking the American Royal with Mike Mills. We went to everybody on the, on the, not the open side, but on the invitation side, hour and a half. I walked, I walked that side with my, with Mike Mills and, and Hey Mike, come on over Mike. Can we get a picture? Yeah. You guys know Dave, you know, sweet baby, right? Come on. And we pulled me all these pictures. Anybody that I didn't know, I, I, I met that day and that's like my best single day in barbecue. I'd say. Dave Raymond is one of the creators of Sweet Baby Ray's Barbecue Sauce. Everybody knows it. Uh, as I said in the open and last week, I keep a two-pack down in the basement at the ready all the time because if somebody doesn't like my sauce, I guarantee they're going to like Sweet Baby Ray's because they've had it before and it's a flavor profile that is agreeable. Dave, really appreciate you coming on tonight, sharing the story, getting a little background there, and then talking about the Hall of Fame. And we'll have you on again uh Long before, like seven or eight years has elapsed when the first time when you surprised me. So we'll do that, and I, and I promise you that. I appreciate your time, and uh, th thanks for letting me tell my story. You got it. It's Dave Raymond right there. Sweet Baby Ray's. By the way, there is a website if you want to check it out, which is uh, srbbq.com. srbbq.com. That'll take you to the uh, Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue uh, restaurant and catering company website. And of course, Dave's nephew Deuce is the pit master out there. So if you are in that part of town and you're looking for some great barbecue, then go ahead and stop by and check out Deuce's place and see what it's all about. And that was sweet baby Ray telling the story. I thought he was a better basketball player than that, but he had a two week stint. I played for four years and never did I have a two week stint of anybody saying that I was sweet at any. Don't shoot the ball. At one time, I pumped faked in the open floor, and the coach was like, I said never to shoot it. Just a fake. Relax, coach. I'm not going to shoot. Robert Moss slowly warmed up, and now he is ready to be called in. So we're happy to have him still. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that they can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. And we love that you can get rip-roaring hot for high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday ceramic cooker lineup? The real ability to do two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However... Getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. 
and a Primo grill and the game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. So when you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to configure the Primo cooker. You're only limited by your imagination. Of course, you love accessories. We all know they have the Primo Grill rotisserie, the Primo Grill pizza accessory, half pans, drip pans. But what did they bring out last week or the week before? They brought out their own griddle insert. In the middle, you have two different options. You have a grill like with grates to go in the center, or there's a flat part that would cover up that hole altogether so you have full surface flat top. Everybody's getting in on the flat tops right now, even Primo. So if you have one and you're looking for that flat top experience, you don't want to buy a freestanding one. You just want to add to the Primo that you got. Well, now you're in luck. Primo's only sold through dealers, so find one near you. Visit the website, primogrill.com. That's primogrill.com. And even better news, it sounds like I might be getting my hands on a Primo, so I'll be doing a lot of video work with that. So if you've ever been in the market and you're looking for some actual video of somebody that you know, that is probably in your wheelhouse of expertise learning how to use it then stay tuned for that unbiased as always no ass kissing here we're back with robert moss right after this stick around be right back you're listening to the barbecue central show Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Anyway, thank Dave Raymond for joining us last segment. Sweet Baby Ray. SRBBQ.com, that website. And if you missed out on that great look back at Dave's career, too bad. You can catch it in podcasts. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard, where you can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or Bluetooth. If you have questions, fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Plus, they just started a huge contest where you can win a huge Fireboard gift pack, some merch, and a Yoder smoker on top of that. So all you have to do is give a name and an email address. You don't even need to agree to getting marketing emails from them. You can opt out right as you submit. So go ahead and try that. Why not? Hey, my next guest is the contributing barbecue editor for Southern Living Magazine, an accomplished author, also a restaurant critic. And you see him here on the second Tuesday of every month. It's Robert Moss. All right, Robert. So it's YouTube poll question of the week time as we just had a barbecue right. sauce tycoon. Fa- uh, famous day. Sweet Baby Ray on talking about <laughs> his backstory. So that was very interesting. And the question we're asking tonight is your favorite barbecue sauce is thick and sweet or thin and vinegary or mustard based or mayo based where does robert moss sit on this fence this is a tough one because i i love all barbecue sauces um you know in 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 the right context um i grew up in greenville south carolina where the my native barbecue sauce was thin and vinegary however I then moved to Columbia, South Carolina, the Midlands of South Carolina, and sort of fell in love with mustard-based barbecue sauce. And I have to admit, right now in my fridge, there is a bottle of homemade mustard-based barbecue sauce. That's sort of my go-to. All right. So that I have to, have to put down the side of the 
yellow South Carolina stuff. Thick and sweet is taking it at 42%, and mustard-based has actually ticked up quite a bit now at 21%, right in the middle of that thin and vinegary at 37%, so we keep track of that as we get through the rest of the show. Uh, 2023 Barbecue Hall of Fame, of course, we did last month, and we just had uh, Sweet Baby Ray on, and he was talking about what it means to him. I kind of thought maybe he didn't even have any idea that the Barbecue Hall of Fame existed until somebody told him he was on the uh, 10 finalists list. Let me ask you right up front, what do you think the visibility of the Barbecue Hall of Fame is to, I'm not even going to ask you for the general public because I'm afraid of that answer, but just for the folks and the weirdos here in the live fire industry as we are, where do you think the overall visibility of the Barbecue Hall of Fame is? It's hard for me to say for 100% sure, but I think it's higher this now than it was five years ago for sure um and that's sort of by design the american royal put a lot of effort into to getting the word out there um if you look around because i do sort of monitor the news there have been a lot of news stories uh published about the various folks including uh including dave raymond who made it into the barbecue hall of fame this year so that does get picked up i would say probably in the grand scheme of things not as high on the the radar as i would like it to be but but improving so my hope is that over the next couple of years, it will keep growing and growing. And part of that is, you know, you know, getting the word out there, but also making, you know, more, you know, expanding the, the list, making more and more people involved in it and making it a, a much more interesting, uh, you know, collection of, of folks. So I think it's probably about midway of where it needs to be. And I hope it gets a lot, a lot higher over the next couple of years. Would budget help? The American Royal had... $500,000 to do marketing campaigns a couple months uh, in advance and a couple months after the fact? Would that help? Well, I mean, if they have $500,000, yes, you can get a lot of attention for that for that kind of money. I doubt that's where their, their budget is, but, um, you know, I think they've done a much better job. They are doing press releases. They are getting picked up. You know, they're, they're, starting, they're starting to get out there. Um, we could certainly do a lot more. Um, I'd have to go back and talk. We haven't talked about it in a little while. I know at one point with American Rail, there was uh, some desire to do more of a physical hall of fame right mm -hmm. now. It's just sort of a, a virtual hall of fame. So uh, I think it will depend upon, you know, there's been some changes in leadership, at American Royal, how that, that progresses, but yeah, they, it could get a lot more elevated. You know, I don't know this ever get to the point of like the baseball hall of fame. Cause I mean, there's just so many baseball fans out there, but I would love to get it, you know, to the high level, higher level than it is now. I think the fact that for a long time, it was really associated with, just the American Royal in Kansas City and was very comp competition circuit, sort of kept it a little bit more of an insular thing. I think it's now getting you know further out. And so I think the broader base it gets, the, the more room there is for it to have, you know, more of a, you know, widespread, widespread awareness out, out in the market. Having a physical Hall of Fame would certainly come at a, I would say, uh, mediocre to potentially extreme expense for the American Royal to put that on. But outside of that, would that, well, would there's that, ways to do that, right? Which is sponsorships, sponsorships and things okay. like that. Would that know? be a, and, and so it, is that necessary? Would people care to have a physical Hall of Fame? I, I think um, I, I think if Kansas City wanted to have a tourist destination that would draw people in and be able to have a barbecue and that type of thing, I think you could get sponsors behind it. It would take a, a motivated effort to do it, but I, I think that um, I think it's it's a it's a possibility. I'm not sure. I'd yeah. Not going to say a hundred percent that's going to happen, but that was certainly you know making it a tourist destination would um, would bring a lot more awareness to it. 
switching gears here a little bit, and I had mentioned at the top of the show, San Antonio Express News uh, barbecue and sports writer Chuck Blount passed away late last week of a brief and, and fairly uh, urgent illness. Are you aware of him at all? You read him? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I've never met, met never met Chuck, uh, and, and, and sad I didn't. Um, he's pretty young. I think he was 47, yeah, 47. Uh, years old, but I knew of him solely through his writing and solely through the San Antonio news express. And back when I was doing the Q sheet actively, you know, I was, uh, monitoring the news. Chuck appeared a lot of times in the Q sheet in huh. my sort of lists of links to, to, to barbecue because he, um, always had something interesting to say, which is the most important thing to me. I didn't always agree with it. Sometimes I, my little blurbs would be taking issue with him. Sometimes my blurbs would be saying Chuck had a really great article, but uh, he, he had a great style, was engaging, very personal. And so, yes, very much on my radar screen. And I, I very much uh, have been reading his work quite regularly. Let's pull it out into more of a high level look because I'm trying to think about all the live fire writers that I know, uh, especially yeah. ones of prominence. It's you, of course, Daniel Vaughn. Chuck was uh, was pretty prominent as well, a uh, number of others. Where do writers in general, uh, whether they're sports writers or food critics or whatever, where do they sit in the landscape uh, for content creation and consumption versus where we are present day? Yeah, it's getting it's getting sort of bleak and... and um... I have to say, uh, one thing about Chuck that I found really interesting is that he got into food writing and barbecue writing through the sports writing world. And um, 50, 60 years ago, there was no such thing as a food writer. You know, there, there were some recipe uh, writers for newspapers, et cetera, but no one was really just sort of writing about food. However, in the mid 20th century, the sports writers of America actually were some of the the best food writers, best scouts, because when they were traveling around the country, going to games, going to spring training in Florida, going wherever they were going, they would always eat at interesting places along the way and would write it up. Uh, every now and again, they'd do a column where, where they'd write about it. And that's actually some of the best food writing for the, in my, for my money for the mid 20th century. And then Chuck sort of got into that very late, but he, he got into it through, through the, uh, through the sports writing game, but then sort of carved out, uh, you know, eating food. Um, Increasingly, you had you have some folks. Whether you know, and Chuck was 100% a hundred percent a a a barbecue writer. He had a, a column called Chuck's Food Shack uh, that he wrote about other things. You know, in that column, but a lot of it, probably fifty percent or more of it, was barbecue, mix of recipes, a mix of of um, you know restaurants and commentary and things like that. But um, you have a lot of talented writers who sort of cut their teeth somewhere else, coming into food and and. What's interesting is the, the personal spins they bring, the style they bring, the things like that. And I think the fact that they learned it somewhere else you know, makes those writers unique. And there's not that many folks left who are writing, I think, very engagingly about barbecue in particular. You already name-checked a lot of them. I would add J.C. Reed, uh, yeah. Houston Chronicle, to that list. Um, you know, and there and there are, there are others uh, out there, but it, but it's not that many. Uh, and there's not that in the food writing world, restaurant critic world, is shrinking dramatically as the as the media landscape changes. And increasingly, I don't think this is a surprise to anybody that what dominates uh, the landscape now is listicles, you know, top 10 lists, the best top 10 barbecue restaurants in wherever, et cetera, et cetera. And increasingly, you don't have anybody like a Chuck 
who has actually been to the restaurants, who has an, uh, has an opinion, has a point of view, and can say things in an interesting way. You've got people who are just cobbling the list together and, and just sort of, you know, creating deadly prose that is not very interesting to read, but the headline top 10 barbecue restaurants, top 17 barbecue restaurants, you know, in each state or whatever. I always uh, click by the way and, and, and shame yeah, yeah. on me, right? It's clickbait. I fall yeah. for it every time. Cause I want to see who's, how this person is going to rank whatever. Now, ultimately, or most of the time it's disappointing because they've opened up uh, Yelp or TripAdvisor or whatever, and just taken the first 10, listed and put those up for every city or state or whatever yeah, so that's disappointing it's so clear that you can you can see you know which lists are clearly just cobbled together for the internet someone who never left their desk and just just you know surfed the web and, and did a, a lot of that what's really bothering me is that um now you have a lot of outfits who are creating these lists just to get clickbait but supposed journalists are now reporting on these lists as if they are uh, actual news. Um, and back when I was doing the Q sheet, I used to, you know, sort of bitch about these every every couple of weeks and, until I'm sure it got tiresome. But um, it couldn't. I couldn't help but notice that I was. I came, was trying to come up with an example of a list and uh, how this works. And um, I came across uh, a article just last week on uh, my essay, which is my San Antonio which is sort of the web arm of the San Antonio Express, which is where Chuck used to write for. Now, my essay is free. It's all <laughs> clickbait ad-driven. They're both owned by Hearst. They're both associated with the San Antonio Express. San Antonio Express has its own newspaper website, which is behind a paywall. You have to pay a subscription for that. Yep. That's where you had to go to get to get Chuck's content. So, so this reporter is not even like making her own list. She's reporting on... <laughs> This list and the headline here: uh, Travel website names Black's Barbecue second best barbecue in the U.S. That's the headline. The subhead: San Antonio was snubbed altogether by the top barbecue list. Now, you would think, which list is this, right? You know, where did it come from and right. who wrote it? Well, it was written by a, a, a site called Travel Awaits, which I'm sure you read every day. Every day. Uh, Every day, uh, the, the authority on barbecue is actually a travel site that gears its content toward folks 50 plus and up. So they're, they're aiming at that, the older traveler market. Uh, it was written by a, a woman named Laura Ray, who I don't know from, from anyone else. So, but her title is content strategist mm. for Travel Awaits. And it was published on May 28th, 2023. Since then, Laura has written 11 articles. Wow. So basically one each day. Uh, Turning it out, uh, you know, and, and turning out the content of the top fourteen barbecue uh, joints in America. As the list goes, it's fine. It's uh, it's sort of like pick fourteen good barbecue restaurants. You know, the, the selections are fine. I wouldn't put any of them as you know on my top ten. But then, you know, she writes a little blurb for them, whatever, which is clear that she's never been to any of these 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 restaurants before. So, and then that gets reported on as news, and that's sort of what gets the clicks, and that's what drives the business these days. And that's, I think, unfortunately, where where the uh, the market is headed uh, relentlessly. We're mid-year 2023, and you proudly announced that every year you're putting out a top 50 barbecue list for Southern Living right now. So are you headlong into that? Or are you just getting started into that? How does it work? Uh, no, I'm neck deep into it. I've been, I've been at it for a year. And um, actually, on the list, uh, I... I've been to every single restaurant on that list at least once, almost everyone multiple times. And in fact, I've spent this last year um, revisiting the ones on the list I hadn't been to in a little while. 
and uh, also visiting all the new contenders and candidates uh, along the way. Uh, made two trips to Texas, which is great. In the, uh, one in the summer, one back in November. Uh, been going through Car the Carolinas recently, uh, hitting some old favorites there. I've got a trip planned for Georgia and Alabama and maybe Tennessee if I can squeeze it in coming up to actually visit those places. So it's a lot of miles, a lot of dollars, a lot of uh, food under the, under the waistline. And I think it's going to be interesting because uh, the, the, we'll see how it shakes out. It's going to be a couple more months before it's released. But some of the old favorites are starting to slip a little mm. bit um, you know, in, in quality. I've not been as impressed. I won't say which ones until the list comes out. But uh, not every old classic is uh, necessarily going to be there. And there's some, a lot of really interesting newcomers coming on. So I think it's going to switch up a lot this year. But it's been very fun to go out and travel and, and sort of you know, experience how the barbecue market's uh, changing out there. What I understand, and this might be a lead for you, Robert, in El Paso, Texas, and I just happened to be tracking him on my 2023 podumentary, and it's by mere coincidence, but Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue, which is a barbecue food trailer in El Paso, Texas, in my, in my view, I'm seeing him spool up the same kind of talk, the same kind of buzz that Ernest Cervantes was getting at Burnt Bean Barbecue out there in Seguin. By the way, El Paso, Seguin, like, where the hell are these places in Texas? Yeah, but, the problem with El Paso, you can't get there. <laughs> it's like seven hours. It's only 11 of, hours from uh, from Austin, from what I understand last yeah. week, from what just, somebody just told Just drive west until the yes, sun goes down. That's yeah. right. So if you're going to get out there and you want to be like ahead of the curve, from what I understand, and I've heard it from some folks that are really good barbecue judges, if you will, put together some prominent lists that Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue is doing some really good things out there if you want to get ahead of the curve. It is on my list, and I, I need to get out there. That's like the, the very, very far western side of the territory. I don't know if I'm going to make it this year. Uh, and unfortunately, there are still a few what I'd call uh, deserts I haven't got, not deserts, but uh, distant distant locations I haven't got to just because it's too hard to, too, too hard to get there. But uh, I've, I've seen that one as well. It is on my ever-growing list of uh, places to visit. If I was giving you a blank checkbook and a jet to get wherever you wanted to go to eat barbecue, where are you going? Ooh, that's tough. Um, I'm trying to think of the jet make, makes a difference. I, I'm so focused on the South right now because that's sort of the territory I cover. Um, so it's it's hard to me, for me to um Are we still counting Kentucky say. as being part of the South, Robert? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Kentucky <laughs> is, is clearly in the, in the mix. Then Ohio's uh, in the South. Atomic, uh, this is like <laughs> Amy Mills be. always gives we me touch. crap because – we touch. <laughs> yes, because because uh, Murfreesboro, Illinois is actually lower, more southern than lots of Kentucky and lots of Missouri, and they get sort of excluded from the South. But um, but yeah, Kentucky's definitely in the South. Ohio is is not by Southern living's definition, at least in the South. And but at a certain point, you you sort of get into this. Okay, now you're in the Mid Atlantic, or now you're on the, the whole the country is the, the South, is what we're getting the at. Whole country and that's is, what is finally. The south. Thank God. There's yes. no need for I, Texas I may to secede because everything's yeah. the South right now. If you gave me the private jet, I'm actually going to go down to South America, which is oh. throwing a, a wrench of things. But just because there's so much interesting live fire cooking going down, going on in Argentina, Brazil, and I've never been down there. And, uh, you know, that's a little bit further. I can't really drive there. So I would love to get the jet. To well, I would give you the jet. I would let you stop down at Opalaca and pick up uh, Stephen Reichland. And you guys could fly down there. I'm sure he could give you the 
a tour of South American barbecue that he's probably been through 10 times. So uh, what are you working on before I let you go, Robert, you'd like to promote? Well, I'm working on the top 50 list. Um, you know, that, that, that's taking a lot of more, more travel and eating than, than anything else. Cause once you, you know, then it's the hard part, just sorting, sorting the list. So that's going to come out toward the end of the summer and, you know, keep an eye out on that. Uh, I'm actually working on a new book that is completely unrelated to barbecue. This is, I was down in new Orleans the last time we talked when we were doing the barbecue hall of fame. Right. Uh, it's a little book, just a small book for the, uh, uh, LSU press. They did, they did this little, actually I have right here. This little series of, of books they're doing, which on, the great cocktails of New Orleans. So there's one book for each, uh, <laughs> you know, each cocktail. This is the Cafe Brillo, which I just happen to have here. So there's one on the Sazerac and the, yeah. uh, you know, you think of all the the, the uh, Ramos Gin Fizz. I, I drew a book, uh, a cocktail called the Raffinac, which I guarantee no one's listening uh, to this show has probably ever heard of. Um, it was very big in the 19th century. It almost disappeared altogether with prohibition. And then had just got a little bit revived in the 21st century with a cocktail revival uh, in a sort of a lot of crazy ways. And there's just an insane backstory behind the Raffinac, which I can't get into now, hmm. but I'm writing a little book about it and trying to finish that up. So I was down in New Orleans doing some some research, which involved going into um, archives and digging into old newspapers and old books and all that. And then spending the evenings going around to various bars and you know, sampling Raffinacs and talking to some of these craft bartenders who are creating it. So nothing to do with barbecue, but it was certainly a, uh, like the barbecue, the, the research is, is, you know, half the fun. RobertFMoss.com, the website, and you see him here the second Tuesday of every month in the second interview slot in the first hour. Robert, always appreciate the time. We'll see you in July. Yep. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. He mentioned Sazerac, and I'm thinking to myself, what we could dive into a whole half segment of Sazerac and how it began and liquors that were spirits that were used to originate it, all that fun stuff, but perhaps a conversation for July. All right, we're going to wrap the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. I want to thank Robert Moss for joining us last segment. Talking a little bit about the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Talking about food and sports writers, writers in general. And where their place in the world is right now. And it seems to be evaporating. We talked about clickbait and all that. So if you missed it, don't worry. We are podcasting, and you can get the first hour tomorrow. We'll talk more about that as we get into the second hour. So go ahead and refresh your libations and get ready. Tell all your friends the show is on. Give them the website. Let them know all about it. Maybe they want to learn about Machek Zorowski grilling with Dad and how he got into live fire cooking, how he's made it a business. Maybe you want to know about that. Well, stay tuned because in 15 minutes or less, he'll be on the show and we'll be talking about it. You're listening and some of you are watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.